week, we are in the book of Proverbs, and if you check it out, we're actually halfway through the Bible. Isn't that an amazing thing? Okay, not really, but um, it just looks like we're halfway through because we've covered a lot, of, um, a lot of words, but we still have a large majority of the books left. They're just getting smaller and smaller and smaller, I guess you could say. Uh, but as far as your reading, um, if you're reading along, you got half of the reading done, hopefully. But we're in Proverbs. And uh, Proverbs, it gets a bad rap uh, in some cases because it's, you know, it's wise sayings. And when you, when, you, when you go through these wise sayings, a lot, it seems like it's common sense, you know, stuff. You know, don't sleep with hookers. Don't, don't cheat. Don't do it. Don't, don't, you know, get involved in, un, you know, unbalanced scales. Don't be lazy. So it's kind of like basic, you know, if you do these things, then you're going to be a good person. So it gets a bad rap because, you know, they, they say, I don't know who they are, by the way. I just say it. They say this. It's the bad people. Um, they, they say that it's just, you know, it's simplistic and then you can skip over it. But today we're going to look at it's more than just a moral rule book. It's more than just, you know, if you want to be successful, then don't do this. Uh, there is a huge part of that, but it is Proverbs has a huge spiritual dimension to it. And I want to get it inside of us, and I, want, and I just think that we just need to take a, well, we're going to take a, uh, we're going to be looking at it today from about 10,000 feet, and then we'll bring it down a little bit lower on Wednesday. But there's a lot to it, as there is most books. And, you know, my you know, dad's, uh, he's like, what are you, what are you going to focus on? And, and really, you're just like, okay, well, I have to pick a couple of, of my favorites and just, you know, branch off of there. So we can kind of do that. We're going to look at chapter 3. So if you want to get your Bibles, we'll start off at chapter 3. Um, Proverbs has basically four to five major themes. The first uh, kind of overarching theme is, uh, is, is to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to be wise, if you want to be able to make uh, wise decisions, to be successful, to be fruitful, to not end up broke and poor and sick, then it starts with a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. Now, that's not like, you know, it, a little bit of it is, but it's not necessarily the fear of the Lord because you're, you're, you're scared of him. It's not a reaction uh, to God out of fear. Now, that is... Honestly, that it could be a reality, especially if you're a teenage boy. Like a good, hosi, a good healthy dose of the fear of the Lord might be good for them because they think that, they think, they, again, um, naughty people think that the, like the rules don't apply to them. They get taken out of, a, out of moral, like the moral code does not apply to people. That's a very scary place to be. We call them psychopaths. Psychopaths have no regard for other people's feelings or other people's well-being. Uh, psychopaths will say, you know, people are, um, they are a means to an end. And so psychopaths will use people to get what they want. Uh, so we, of course, we know in the very negative sense, we think of, you know, of dictators as psychopaths. But like your neighbor might be a psychopath. He just doesn't, he just does, you know, they just don't manifest it in that way. But usually people that control, manipulate, they have those tendencies. 
Um, so there is that healthy dose of the fear of the Lord that, I mean, in some cases, like we don't, we shouldn't live our faith out of a, out of a, out of a sense of fear, but some people do need to get shocked into the reality that there is a holy God and that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And there is consequences for people that don't hold uh, the moral, the universal moral code in check. There is consequences for people that don't fear the Lord. We have a place for them. Uh, all right, I told this story. I told it before. I just love it. So when I was, uh, I don't know, I think I was in junior high-ish, uh, I, I, I would tag around my grandfather quite a bit. He was a preacher. And we went to Thrifty Ice Cream. So he took me to, actually, so I was younger than junior high. We t- he took me to Thrifty Ice Cream. And this was, uh, this was in the 80s, 90s, 80s. Oh, my gosh, geez. Do you remember the 80s? Yeah. And so... My grandfather was an evangelist. He loved to just, I mean, he, he shared God's gospel all the time. And, and he did not care if it embarrassed me. Do you, you need to hang around people like this. You really should. Like, you need to hang around people that are going to f- make you feel uncomfortable, that are going to share their faith in public and embarrass you. You need to hang around people, like when you go to Chili's, they pray really loud so the entire restaurant can hear them. And you feel like you want to crawl under your table. You need to hang around people like that. So my grandfather, we get ice cream, and we're going to the car, and uh, there, was, uh, there was this, you know, this teenage kid that um, was soliciting for change, and this was the 80s, so he was a punker. We don't have punkers anymore. I'm kind of sad. We have like, um, you know, hipster punkers that, but they're not real punkers. They're really not. They have no idea. They're completely clueless. But the, this guy had this big giant, you know, mohawk, leather jacket, you know, earrings, tattoos, the whole works. And he's asking, he's asking for change. He says, oh, man, can you give me some, you know, give me some change? I'm a little down and out. And I don't know, he, he, you know, being my grandfather, I don't have change, but what I have is better for you. Let me tell you about the Lord. And he's like, look, oh man, just don't, don't give me that. Don't give me that. Look, if you can't help me out with change, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear about Jesus or the gospel. He hasn't done anything for me. I don't care. I'm a punker. I live by my own rules. Hmm? So that is the epitome of, of Americana right there. Don't tread on me. I live by my own rules. And, and this was God, like this was God, like the Holy Spirit on that situation in that environment. And grandpa says, fine then son, go to hell. And he turned and he walked away and just left this guy alone. Like, like there was a sense of being completely alone in a parking lot. And by by the time we got to the back to the car, Grandpa had led this kid to the Lord, and he's crying in the parking lot. So, so I mean, like that shouldn't be. I mean, that that type of fear shouldn't be the 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 you know the primary motivation for accepting Christ. But in some cases, it applies. So it is the fear of the Lord that leads to wisdom. It's the fear of God that led this kid to accept Jesus in the parking lot in front of Chris, in front of Thrifty's ice cream. So does that make sense? But then there is also for us, um, what keeps us connected to a wise lifestyle is actually a healthy dose of the awe of God. 
Like we need to be captivated by God. And that is the same word usage as being in the fear of the Lord. It's being awe. It's being held in wonder. It's like, oh my gosh, God is just amazing. He's beautiful. So that is the beginning of wisdom. So that's probably the overarching theme. You want to be successful. You want to be wise. You want to be healthy. You want to live long. You need to fear the Lord so that you can get wisdom. And it says, wisdom is supreme. At all costs, you get wisdom. This is what we need to be asking for. Wisdom and knowledge. Quit asking for stuff that, 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 that's going to mess you up. Quit asking for money. Quit asking for relationships. Quit asking for better circumstances. You ask for wisdom and knowledge. You ask for the kingdom of heaven. All of these things will be added unto you. So we're just asking for the wrong stuff. What we need is true wisdom. And so that's the, over, that's the overarching theme. And then it gets into some very specific practical uh, issues. Uh, it talks a lot about money and work. How many want to hear that message today? You want to know what God has to say about money and, and, and work. And just getting, being able to be provided for. So that's another major overarching theme is, is your career and how you handle money. Are you prudent? And so on and so forth. You need wisdom in those areas. You need wisdom in your workplace. Like when you, when you clock in, when you hit the clock or whenever you, you know, do what you do for your living, uh, you need to approach it through wisdom, not through coffee. Like I have to have coffee to get me going. But I'm not going to be wise unless uh, I, I, I clock in with wisdom I open, I open the door of work with wisdom. I, I pray uh, wisdom onto my hands so that I can do my job and do it with excellence and do it with God's grace. Then the other major theme is, uh, it's kind of connected, but it's, it's, it's laziness. It's a little bit, I mean, of course it's connected to work, but uh, it, there is something about, you know, the sluggard that, that is, that, it's not just for work, but it's, it, it affects and infects your spiritual life as well. So that, that's another theme. Uh, and then, of course, there is the theme of, um, of temptation. So we see the prostitute. So the, the instruction is for, uh, is for a son. It's for, it's for men. I mean, of course, it can apply to women too. But it, the instruction is for a son. And he's saying, you need to, you need to watch out for temp- the temptation. Basically, the flesh, uh, the flesh temptations of this world. So, I don't know, maybe you don't struggle with prostitutes, or maybe you don't struggle with uh, adultery, um, but they do manifest themselves in different areas in our lives. Whatever we, wherever we're losing in the area of the weakness of our flesh, it could, you could easily translate it into those areas. So those are the, main, those are the major themes. It's very simple. There's a lot of different rules, but usually they fall into one of those categories. And today we're going to look at um, we're going to look at chapter three, and um, let's do a class. Let's just do a little review. Uh, last week was what? Song of Songs. Now, who wrote Song of Songs? Solomon wrote it. Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon, he wrote a majority of it. Uh, it will let you know if he didn't write parts of it, but majority of this was written, for, written by Solomon. 
Uh, so Song of Songs, I believe, was written by a young man that was in love. It was probably redacted a little bit later in his, in his uh, older years when he was, you know, I don't know, a little, maybe a little disillusioned with life where he forsaken his first love, where he... He realized that he put his priorities in the wrong spot where he should have been completely dedicated to one person and he's looking back a little bit. But the large majority of Song of Songs is written from the perspective of a young man that's in love with life and in love with beauty and in love with this woman. That's, that, that is, you know, so you get that uh, naivete uh, point of view from a young person. Song or Proverbs is written by majority of it is written by by Solomon again, but now he's not a young man. It's a different picture. It's a different frame altogether. Uh, it. I am one hundred percent convinced that it is written by uh, by Solomon. Uh, modern Bible scholars will say that, it, that it's probably not, but that's just not true. Uh, can I prove it? Yeah, I'll, I'll prove it Wednesday. Um, but uh, most they say, well, it's you know, it was written by maybe somebody in the court, or you know, years later, it really wasn't written by Solomon. It was because it's just you read some of the the very specific language. It looks uh, is tied specifically to Song of Songs. And it's also tied to Ecclesiastes. We're just looking at a man in different stages in his life. So now the man of Proverbs, he is in his 30s, in his 40s. And this is a man that is writing after his encounter with God. Song of Songs was written before his encounter with God. Uh, Proverbs was written after, you know, God comes to him in a dream. And it's the whole Aladdin in the bottle uh, scenario. What do you wish for, young man? And he answers correctly because his father, David, said you need to be wise and you need to have knowledge. And that was probably the only thing that Solomon remembered. That was probably the only instruction that he got from his cool dad was, you know, son, grow up, be a man, do wise things. That was probably the gist of his of uh, Solomon being parented by David, and so he chooses wisely. He chooses, okay, I want wisdom and I want knowledge. And here's the amazing thing, which I wish that we could all get, but it just doesn't happen that way, unfortunately. It gets downloaded into him, like like an immature. Probably a mama's boy uh, has probably no has no skill in battle. Uh, probably had no drive. Was probably a sluggard. Was probably a little bit lazy, spoiled. All of a sudden, gets downloaded with supernatural wisdom and knowledge. If only we were so lucky. Um, I don't think that the way that Proverbs is written. It doesn't look like we have that option. The way that Proverbs is written is that it is a path that we are on. That, that wisdom, wisdom is personified as a woman. Now, in these major themes, there's two major players. There's two major characters. There's Lady Wisdom, and then there's Lady Folly. So there's... Um, wisdom gets manifested in the, in the feminine form. So if you were a guy here last week, are you really awesome for coming back? Because I, I probably, I made myself uncomfortable. Um, but now you get the opportunity to say, okay, now as a man of God, 
I get the opportunity in, in today's message to go into relationship with lady wisdom. Now, I can relate to that. I had a hard time relating to the idea of getting intimate with the Lord and putting on a wedding dress, and that just freaked me out. But today is something completely different. You have the opportunity to go into relationship with wisdom, and this is the beautiful thing for guys. Wisdom is a woman and not a dude. Can I get a thumbs up? You don't have to go into a relationship with a dude. Yes. All right. I better read the scripture before I go too much further. All right, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teachings. Solomon is teaching. All right, class, who, who's the audience? Come on, who's his audience? Who's the son? Do you know? Oh, you guys. Good thing you're not doing this for a grade. His son is Rehoboam. I mean, this is written for us. Thousands of years later, this is written for us. But specifically, who he is talking to is the next king of Israel. He's trying to be a good dad. He's teaching him wise sayings. And he's saying, my son, Rehoboam, you need to pay attention. Don't make the same mistakes I have made. Uh, you don't have the opportunity, like I did, to have supernatural wisdom downloaded into your brain. You're going to have to do it the hard way. You're going to have to earn this stuff. And I'm going to show you how to do it. You need to, you need to pay attention to every word that comes out of my mouth, and you need to follow them line by line. This, for you, my son, this is going to be a path that you walk. It's not a free gift. You have to learn wisdom. The unfortunate truth, as we've learned in Kings and Chronicles, is that Rehoboam did not pay attention to this lesson. In fact, he did the exact opposite. Oh, I forgot another major theme of Proverbs. It is choose your friends wisely. You will be judged by your company. uh, uh, Bad company corrupts good character. So this is young people... You've got to choose now, today. You need to do a, you need to do a survey. You need, to, you need to categorize your friends. You need to rate your friends. And some of them you need to get rid of because they're not good for you. In fact, if you, if you read the rest of Proverbs, they will lead you to the grave. All right, here we go. Uh, my son, don't forget my teachings, but keep its commands in where? Where is, the, where is it kept? Is it in your brain? It's in your heart. Is it in your emotions? No. You think that heart is your emotions, but it's not. Emotions are a different part of you. Emotions are a part of your soul and not part of your heart. Our culture's got the whole thing messed up because of Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day messed up a lot of stuff. Can I get an amen from the guys? Valentine's Day is another one of those evil holidays. It's the same category with Disneyland. Um, I don't have a, have a day to express my love. I can, it's every day that I love my wife, right? Amen. Amen. I don't need a special day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right I, got, I got one lady behind me. 
For they will prolong your life many years and bring you what? Prosperity. Guys, our ears should be perking up right now. Because we want to be prosperous. That's how God's wired you. There's nothing wrong with a little healthy dose of ambition. Men need it. Especially young men need it. You look around, you see a man that is a, a young man that has no ambition. Guys, it's our job to kick them in the butt and give them a healthy dose of ambition. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with ironing, sharpening iron. You've got to have it. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Um, love is the binding agent through this whole thing. You have to be inside of a community of love to activate wisdom. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your what? Of your heart. Then you will win favor. We want that too. How many people are struggling with favor in the workplace or in the, or your, you know, education or wherever you're might, whatever you might be? You just feel like the world is against you. You ever feel like this? Your boss hates your guts. Do you know why your boss hates your guts? It's because you hate his guts. Um, your boss is against you. Um, you know, your neighbors are against you. You even feel like God's against you. You know what you need? You need favor. You need favor with God first, and then you need favor with man. And then there's this really interesting uh, spiritual dynamic that takes place when you enter into God's favor. Not only are you able to win favor in like in the natural where you fight for favor, where you fight for a good position, where you fight for, uh, I, I mean, not that you need to plead, be a people pleaser, but you do want people on your side. You want, your, you want to be inside of your boss's good graces. If you have employees, you want to be inside of your employees' good graces. It's key to your prosperity, and it's key to your success. You want to win favor. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Again, that is, that is your spirit person. And lean not on what? Not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and this is important, and he will make your paths straight. So your path for wisdom will be made straight. I wish God would download wisdom like he did with Solomon and into me, but unfortunately, I'm on a path, and so are you. And it's narrow, and it's hard, and it's uphill both ways in the snow. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil, and then this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your, soul, your, your homes, your bones, excuse me. Honor the Lord with all of your wealth, with the first fruit of all of your crops. That's the financial aspect. Make sure that God's uh, mark is on your money. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. Uh, you probably don't have vats where you have wine at home. Maybe some of you do. And biblically, there's nothing wrong with that. Just don't get drunk. Um, but most of us don't have vats with wine. But what's the point? It's going to make you happy. It's going to bring you joy. My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the, Lord's, the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, 
the man who gains understanding, for he is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. So don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Put, your, put a, a supernatural mark on your finances, and you're going to get wisdom and not gold, which is better by far. Wisdom is better than rubies. It's more precious than gold, more precious than silver. Verse 5, she is more precious. Oh, I just, I oh, was reading ahead here. Okay, 16. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand is riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. Do you need that in your life? Like this is probably one of the biggest things that we pray for, besides money and relationships and marriages and uh, health, is peace. Like, some people are honest on their prayer requests, and they say, I just need peace in my life. This is the key to it. Her ways are pleasant, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life. Who em- She's a, pr- a tree to life to those who embrace her. That actually harkens back to Song of Songs. And did anybody pick that up, by the way? That's a, that's a reference to Song of Songs. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations and by understanding, he has set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided, and the clouds let the dew drop. My son, sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. You've got to keep it in focus. Keep it before your eyes. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, uh, your sleep will be sweet. Have you ever lost sleep over stress? Yep. 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 (laughs) Um, It doesn't have to be that way, brothers and sisters. Like I have like crazy obnoxious insomnia. It takes me a long time to wind down. I actually have to, I actually have to get in God's presence before I go to sleep now. Either that or take sleeping pills. And I, and I prefer to press into God's presence and have him wind me down so I can continue to rest in presence while I sleep. And God will minister to you in your sleep, you will wake up strong, healthy, and clear. Have no fear of sudden disaster, of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Oh my goodness. Okay, let me stop. If I could have the band of ushers come to the front. Those kids messed up my message. Um, all right, so Proverbs is more than just uh, a, a, a list of, of witty, wise sayings. If you picked up on it, wisdom is what created the foundations of the earth. I didn't get a chance to read to it, but wisdom also... 
Wisdom also uh, was there and actually takes delight in the word of God and takes delight in the Father. So there is a, there is a, a mystical connection between wisdom and God. Wisdom shown in our lives when we go into relationship with Lady, Lady Wisdom instead of Lady Folly, wisdom is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Some say that wisdom and the Holy Spirit are the same thing. So, when we decide to be wise, we decide to go into relationship with wisdom. I've got to get this personal story in because God really put it on my heart. All right, Usher, just sit down for a second. Just sit down. I've got to get this out. Um, I was a young man once. I was. I know. And I, after college, now I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. I'm saying it because I want to show you a contrast. After college, I, I, uh, I, I started that museum in Charleston, South Carolina. It was a manuscript library museum. I was the youngest museum director in the nation. Um, and it was a, it was a huge, it was a big deal. It was exciting. Uh, the problem with the humanities is it didn't pay very well. It's like ministry. <laughs> and, and so my, one of my slick college friends talked me into selling computers in Seattle during the whole tech boom. And so I went to Seattle. I started making lots of money. Uh, I left the humanities. I left my first love. I left a very, you know, maybe not a very well-paying job, but a very prestigious job. And I hated selling computers. It was a colossal mistake. I was in a cubicle inside of another cubicle, inside of another cubicle, and there was no windows. And it was in Seattle where there was no sunlight. I went into depression just because I couldn't get any sun. And so I was like, all right. I was a bad employee, had a bad attitude. And uh, I was like, you know what? Take this job and, right? You know the rest of the words. And um, it's like, you know what? I'm a gifted young man. I have a great education. I have a killer resume. I'm just going to walk over to the Seattle Art Museum and I'm going to get a job. In fact, the Seattle Art Museum had just purchased the Da Vinci Codex. Bill Gates bought the Da Vinci Codex. It was the number one, at that time, it was the most expensive manuscript ever sold. And my boss was bidding on it. And so I actually, I knew the, the Codex better than all of those clowns over at the Seattle Art Museum. And there was a job opening to be the curator of the Da Vinci Codex Library. I'm like, God's good. I'm so good. I'm going to get this thing. Guess what? I didn't get it. Um, and then, young men, uh, don't, you know, don't leave your job without having another job lined up. <laughs> because that is a, that, that's wisdom. That's being a bad steward of where God's placed you. It's a bad steward of money management. It, it's just a bad idea. 
Get, 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 get stuff lined up before you jump ship. And um, so it got bad. Like, my money ran out real quick. And I could not get a job. And I can't tell you how, if you've, if you've been looking for a job, and if you're a guy, you know the difficulties of this. You know how that just kills your ego. It kills your identity. Because what we do is our identity. And so my identity was taken from me. And to make matters worse, um, I lost the job to somebody that wasn't as qualified as I was to get it. And no matter what job I applied for, I kept on losing jobs. And this is just important to say. I would lose them to women. That's difficult. That gets your ego. And uh, I know that, you know, in the workplace, specifically in the higher-ups, there is an unequal prejudice towards men, but as far as lower mental management goes in our culture today, women are better than men. They just are. They're better communicators. They're better at organization. Uh, they get the jobs. And so I would continually lose jobs over women. They, were just, they just could compete better than I could. They interviewed better than I could. They were better socially than I was. They had better organizational skills. I didn't have what they needed even though I knew the stuff, even though that I was, frankly, I was an expert at exhibit museums. And there was a very specific moment in my life where I I got a job. I had to get a job because I had to pay rent because I was too proud to come home. Um, So I got a job at the Seattle Art Museum as a security guard. And... I remember, you know, I was like, at that point I was grateful and blessed that I was able to collect a paycheck and to stay in Seattle. And uh, I remember getting in the elevator in my brand new security outfit, going up the elevator and being next to the girl that beat me in my job application. Completely unexperienced. You know, I could easily walk circles around her, but she got the job. And it was in that moment, in that elevator, where I had a choice. I had a choice either to let uh, bitterness and anger and rage enter my heart or tap into wisdom. Last week was a very difficult word for guys because it was intimacy. And I've been struggling with this word all week because guys don't like that word intimacy. But in that point in my life, I, instead of being angry and bitter, I chose the wiser action. And I, intimate's the wrong word because, again, the guys, it's the right word, but it's the wrong semantics. I went mystical. I pushed into God's presence during that that point. I chose not to let bitterness towards women get into my heart. I had a thing for this cute actor back then, too. And she had this incredible job. And it's just like, Ugh. And so I just gave it all to the Lord. And I pushed myself in, into God's wisdom and into God's presence, even when it wasn't paying off, even when I wanted to be angry. 
And it was in that wisdom that I learned truth about being at peace with my circumstances and at being at peace with God. And that uh, mystical is, again, it's probably the wrong word, but that's how people were describing me in that season in my life. My roommates noticed something very different about me. They noticed my dad's phone was going off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they. I oh know, he's asking for forgiveness. They, they noticed. They noticed that, uh, that there was an inward change, even though my circumstances were, frankly, Im- embarrassing and demoralizing. Um, I had a female roommate. We didn't like, we weren't in the same bedroom together. It was the, it was the 90s, folks. You just, this is what you did. We were in survival mode. So I had four roommates. One of them was a girl. And so she was 6'6", six, six, so there was no hopes for any romantic stuff there. So, um, yeah. Um, and she would just like, Josh, what is going on with you? The, I, I have never seen you this connected to spirituality before. And everybody that I was in contact with said the same thing. So you're, there's just, you're, how is it that you're able to walk in this peace? And they kept on using the word mystical over and over again. And men, if you feel uncomfortable with the word intimate, how about the word mystical? Is that one a little bit better? Is that one a little more palpable? Because that's what God really, he wants us to move into a mystery relationship with wisdom, with the Holy Spirit. God values, again, cliche, that... um, personal relationship, but he wants to work with you in your place of work, whether you have to deal with shame, embarrassment, being let down, no matter what job you take, if you have to work at 7-Eleven, he can be mystical with you there, and you can choose that season to be one of the most important seasons in your life where God is real and where God is vibrant and where you hear him. You can choose that. One of the, the reason why Proverbs talks about work, it's not because they're trying to build a workforce. It's because God works with us when we work with our hands. When we decide not to be a sluggard and not to be lazy, to get to work, to put our hands to use, then the Spirit of God can work with us. But if we're angry, bitter, resentful, we're telling them to take a hike. We just are. But in the worst job situation, unless you're cleaning out nasty refrigerators, I did that. The Lord was not in that one. That was disgusting. (laughs) It's like, make matters worth, my boss is a jerk. Um, <laughs> right. um, there's no, there's no um, mistake that Jesus was a tecton, that Jesus was a carpenter. We don't know exactly what kind of 
The Bible says he was a carpenter. In the Greek, it says he was a tecton. He was a man that worked with his hands. So he could have been a stonemason. He could have been a framer. We don't know what he did. But it was in those points where God, I mean, Jesus is God, but it's where his soul began to develop. It's where he probably began to work in areas of mystery. So men, don't be discouraged if you're going through a hard time. You need to go into mystery, go into intimacy, lean into God, push into his presence. Look, whatever language works for you, get with God and let go of all that other anger, bitterness stuff. That's the stuff that, that Proverbs says that leads to death. There's a highway to hell that the Proverbs talks about. The highway to hell is bad friends, hookers, being jealous and being bitter and not doing your job. That is the highway to hell. The highway to heaven, the path, the righteousness, the path, the wisdom, is that you're focused on the words of God despite your circumstances. You remain faithful, and you just do what he says. You quit asking so many dang questions. All right, ushers, you can stand up now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you that we have awesome, amazing kids that are probably more tuned in to your kingdom than we are. So God, I pray that we will just learn from our children, our church. God, I pray right now for men that have a broken heart, that are frustrated, that are disillusioned. God, I pray right now that you will just breathe into them a new identity and that there is a more powerful way. There is a more mystical way. There is a connection with a divine power that changes the very interbeing, the very fabric of a man. We just pray this for all of our young people and all of our old people. We pray this for our church, that we will be a wise group of people that know that it's just more than about rules. It's about this mystical embrace. We love you, Lord. Bless this offering.